Hello and welcome to the Better, Bolder, Braver podcast. Empowering coaches to attract better clients, build a bolder offer and be braver with their prices, planning and purpose. I'm this week's host and co-founder Simon Batchelor. This week we asked, what if happiness was your niche? Many coaches say they don't need a niche. Some say they already have one, but secretly haven't. And others are clear and focused already on their niche audience. If niching is about target audience rather than a method, approach to coaching or outcome, then how can happiness be a niche? This is what we discussed in this week's Monday Masterclass conversation with Carlos from the Happy Startup School. The conversation went from why and how to have happiness as a niche, to discovering that although Carlos thought he wasn't any good at marketing, he is already doing it really well, but just didn't know that he could call what he was doing marketing. It's all about shifting your focus from conversions to conversations. So let's join that conversation now. We're going to go live. Hello, everybody. Here we are. We finally made it. Welcome, everybody. We've overcome lots of technical issues to get here today. Um, I've had a power cut, which has been hilarious, trying to get the internet back on. Francis's Wi-Fi has gone and come back again. So here we are. Here we are. And we're very, very honoured to welcome um carlos uh dr oh, carlos the honor is all mine oh, <laughs> don't call me dr carlos <laughs> oh. we realized the other day carlos that i've never actually had the need or position to ever pronounce or try and pronounce your surname your second name <laughs> go and have a go saba ah there you go francis is that, at least is it was right? a saber yes saba is good okay Sab. Like i'm imagining saber. it's italian right Saba. Yeah, it is. It actually has Greek, Greek, no, Arabic origins, as I understand it. It's from oh. Sheba, and it's oh. um, number seven. That's well. That's what my dad tells me. Anyway. Oh, guys, you've both got your snazzy cameras all set up today, haven't you? That's why you're looking so clean, and, <laughs> and I'm all fuzzy. I don't know what that means. Just oh, you got that kind of go. mysterious, misty look. <laughs> the MacBook oh. look. I'm just having a moment, everyone, because of the technical stuff. I'm like, my heart's beating. I don't know if it's because I'm so excited about this or I'm just freaking out from all the tech stuff. Hello, everybody. How delightful. We have two sets of community love all at once. This is almost too much. It's almost too happy making. I'm not quite sure what to do with it. Um, I'm wearing an orange jumper. And I think it's subconscious because whenever I think of Carlos and the Happy Startup School, it's all about yellow, so I think orange was kind of a slight segue from there. But yeah, yeah. at that juncture, also show you my happy start up. Super fans, super fans. Thanks, Carlos, for being here. It's, it means so much to us. So much of what oh. we're all about now is thanks to you um, and Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lawrence, he's not here. Does that mean we get the blame um, when it all goes tits up? No, <laughs> yeah. not at all. Because the outcome that you're promising to serve us is that we'll be all right. We will be all right, even if it does completely cock up. So that's that's what we understand. And I'll put that on the website. Thank so you. Happy. Um, I want to I want to kick things off this morning as as usual. Everyone is used to the fact that this is a completely emergent practice, which is also what we've learned from 
largely from Carlos, I'd say. As well. um, but I want to just cl- I want to clarify something. Um, when we designed this event and called it Happiness as a Niche, we were uh, in the midst of working out how we're going to teach people to work with the concept of niche um, and getting people to move away from uh, niche as being an outcome um, towards sort of niche as being a sort of uh, commonality amongst the people that that we attract. Um, so I just wanted to clarify for the sake of the discussion today that when I think of why happiness is a niche for Carlos, what I think about is the commonality amongst the people that Carlos attracts. So the people that I think gravitate towards Carlos and the Happy Startup School are people for whom happiness is at the core of their business planning, um and design and is at the core of what they're looking to uh serve how they're going to serve it and certainly yes what the outcome might be but they're not focusing on necessarily the outcome so i just thought we might kick off with that because um firstly uh carlos it would be great to know how you're arriving today which is one of carlos's classic event framing questions and then and then hear lots about your story i'm going to shut up but also i'd love for you to talk to that point in terms of why happiness is at the core of how your people uh find you yeah cool okay i will start with how i am arriving i'm i'm arriving excited i love being on the other end of these things where i don't have to deal with the tech issues i just turn up and have a chat that's all good. I'm loving seeing everyone on the chat and everyone, uh, so familiar names and not so familiar names. Um, I'm also wondering, um, Mark Stedman said, Mark A. Stedman arrives precisely when he means to. I'm wondering if that's a Game of Thrones re- uh, reference. I don't know why I think it's a Game of Thrones reference, but for some reason it feels like to me. Um, and I'm very curious, actually, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up this whole question of what is this whole happiness and niche thing mean because it's made me think about what i mean by it so um, i'm excited about that and exploring that in terms of my own ideas and thoughts uh, and i would also like to hear how both of you are arriving um well i've had a, a fairly productive morning until everything stopped <laughs> very abruptly when the power went off and then it all came back again. So my whole house sort of went, ooh, ooh. So, yes, a, um, a forced pause in my morning. But, um, yeah, energised. It's been a good morning. I've got through a whole load of editing and videos and stuff that I wanted to do. And it feels good to be creating things. So, yeah, good energy this morning. Nice, nice. Uh, Carlos, I'm feeling uh, good. I had a, I went to Barry's boot camp this morning, 8.20. Uh, and then I had an amazing session with one of my fabulous clients in the Better Boulder Braver community. He's just rocking it. So that made me feel great. And uh, this afternoon, uh, Simon and I have got an interesting meeting, which could have a very interesting outcome. Uh, and then I am doing some video pickups on some of the videos that we've recorded for our soon to launch exciting course. But the few videos that I'm recording are not so great. So <laughs> recording some of those. So quite a packed sort of creative uh, day. I'm feeling quite happy and it's super sunny. So yeah, good. 
Yeah. It's funny how Carlos energizes you, isn't it? Even when just just having him around. Love it. Yeah. Go on then. Well, thank you. I feel the pressure now. Um, Okay, so happiness is a niche. I think that was the question. Is that Mm. why? 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 I think happiness is a niche. It's interesting. Like I think. Oh, so niching is a strategy. Uh, So okay, how do we? use this idea of niching as a way to more accurately define who we can help and work with um, and also how we can also manage our time and energy I think um, or effectiveness that whole classic thing if you talk to everyone you talk to no one Uh, and so if you're trying to talk to everyone you're trying to say everything which is also tiring Um, so there's an energy management aspect to the niching bit which is the strategic thing um, and so if happiness is a niche, then maybe happiness is a strategy. So how do we, and what does that mean? Happiness is a strategy. And that, it reminds me of a conversation I had, uh, hosted many years ago uh, around the idea is of, can you be happy and successful? Um, which was interesting because I think there was a definition. Oh, can you be happy and ambitious? Sorry, that's the wrong. Can you be happy and ambitious? Because the idea is that if you are happy, then you want for nothing and you're kind of content and you can just sit around uh, and you don't have to do anything. So there's nothing to strive for. There's nothing to make happen, which is interesting. Um, The opposite, I think, is that you strive really, really hard to make something happen uh, and you burn out. (laughs) And it's really, really tiring and it's really, really challenging. So um, I'm really interested mainly for selfish reasons, is how can I how can I make money and build a business and do something valuable in the world without burning out? How can I have always time for myself and my family and the friends around me and actually uh, deliver value, impact? Actually, just be, be uh, useful. I think that's it. How can I be useful and stay mm-hmm. happy? Because I think there's this thing like, how can I build a business? How can I make money? Um, there's loads of ways to make money. There's loads of ways to build businesses. Um, they're not always useful. And they're not always uh, happiness generating. Mm. So I was, you know, in a link baity way, it's like, how can you be happy and make loads of money? Um, I think for me, it's like, how can you focus on your happiness and whatever that means for you, and I'll, I'll maybe define what it means to me, and still be useful in the world. Um, so there's a couple of things I think the contrast is actually you know you strive to make a really financially successful business and you burn out, or you strive to help loads of other people add impact, make massive impact in the world, and you burn out, or you just be really happy and then nothing happens in the world. So I'm wondering if you actually can actually be happy and have mm. some kind of impact. And so for me, um, part of this happiness as a niche is like, how can you, yeah, how can you go against the whole striving nature of business uh, and still make something valuable? Uh, and also how by focusing on your happiness, which for me means understanding what drives you, what's, what are your needs, what are your core needs? in terms of what is it that really energizes you and um, and motivates you to act. Um, 
and how does that become so clear because it's not only about your needs but also your lived experience and your journey and your stories and, and all the challenges you faced and, and why you look at the world in a certain way and that then defines who you want to work with so you're not chasing well for my case I'm not chasing people who are looking for that billion dollar exit in five years mm-hmm. by hi- through hyper growth and hacking company culture in order to get people to work 18 hours a day, uh, 900 hours a week in order to then get that massive payout at the end. Um, now, I can't help them because I have no idea how that world works. But how can I help people who kind of like wandered through life, just trying loads of things, not really clear about what it is they want to actually create or make, really don't want to just work for someone for the sake of working for someone. Um, and at the same time, kind of might, might struggle with oh, what is my thing and how do I feel relaxed and how do I not be anxious all the time about the future? Uh, yeah, and how do I combine all those things? You know, how, you know, that lived journey, my own lived journey, really. I think, okay, I can, I can, I can actually make something useful mm. in the world. It doesn't have to be a real massive struggle. And it's okay if it doesn't require a lot of effort. And I can essentially make impact without tons and tons of effort and and that isn't cheating Mm. so having that kind of very i don't know polarizing and maybe triggering perspective on the world maybe that's part of the niche bit because Mm. some people will not get that at all and other people say i need that how do you do that so that's my starter for 10. yeah i like the the, the sort of hugeness of the word happiness. It means so many different things to different people. And I think when I first sort of read that we were going to call this happiness as a niche, I was a bit like, but but that's huge. That's saying, you know, that's like saying energy is a niche. It's like, it's just vast. But actually, I think what you've done there is sort of illustrated why it works, because you're not saying the outcome of what you will get from being a member of the Happy Startup School or being on one of your programs is happiness. But you're saying if you resonate with the way we're describing happiness, then then what we do as part of these processes and programs is potentially going to get you the things you want. So find out more. And I guess it's that way of rather than saying you will be, I don't know, less stressed or you know, you will be more productive from doing what I do. It's sort of using niche at the other end of that. So it's using, that's that's kind of what I was getting from what you were saying, is almost like you're taking niche away from the outcome and putting it at the beginning of the journey and using it as that filter to say, if, if, if this sounds like you, then let's do this. But if it's not for you, then there's lots of other people out there. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's interesting that. Because I've been, I've been trying to work out what it means really means to me um rather than oh yeah that's a great way to pull in punters mm, yeah <laughs> talk about having as a niche what is it that re- why do i resonate with this and this is part of the journey of building the happy startup school is getting more and more uh clear as to what it means to me not only just the customers we're trying to serve and and so yeah at, at the front end in terms of this happiness as a niche um, I think it's it's something that we're getting closer to. You know, we started off 
actually talking about company culture and how you know focusing on happiness can create better more um profitable business you know quoting all the stats about yeah you know good um employee or employees who feel good will treat their customers better that means returning customers which means more money which you know it makes sense but i don't feel that as much um i think what i feel more is a bit i think of what you're alluding to and what you promised it like this whole journey is a process of actually me learning more about myself um and so the more i know about myself the more i will do the work that i need to do and the more i will define who those people i could help are and then if i can layer on top of that how to do it so how do i use technology how do i learn about marketing how do i learn about sales how do i learn about pricing how do i learn about product development how do i learn about collaboration how do i learn about actually um being in community as tactics and strategies that essentially allow me to work with the happiness bit so rather than saying okay i will learn all of these things in order to create a business then i will be happy it's like all right how can i say okay i want to focus on this happiness thing find out where is it what's that carlos shaped space in the jigsaw puzzle of life that i can fit really nicely into uh and then and then from there work on making things happen um because i think there's something also around doing this stuff consciously in terms of like why am i building a community why am i thinking about innovation and startup and and starting new things why am i not the happy scale up school uh, <laughs> or uh uh yeah the happy exit school um and and for me i think it's i i i love the new bits and i think for me there's a, th- a real you know if i was going to talk about uh the niche that i'm finding or working my way towards is like i always thought actually to be a proper business you need to have the processes and the systems in place and then you know you can be called a proper business because it's growing and you've got lots of people mm. i i intellectually understand that that's a really important place to be but i i i love i love this feeling of contribution and the whole idea of when someone goes from 0 to 1 Mm. that's like an infinite change you know, math speaking when you divide 1 by 0 it's supposedly infinity but anyway that's a massive change you can take someone from i don't know 10 and a 100k to half a million k turnover or you can take someone from a million to one and a half million but i think as you go further along there's kind of more work for less change mm. and i quite like the idea of like turning up having a conversations with someone and suddenly boom is like yeah. totally changed and it's like that ah, feels nice and so there's something around being at the start that i i'm mm. more and more enjoying and then also just i love having conversations like this with people because it, it not not because on one hand there's a bit of an ego things like, yeah, i am on stage i can talk about stuff and sound clever but actually it gives me an excuse to think out loud mm. and that for me is part of community and we do soul cafe in in the happy startup school uh led by the the wonderful papa david or david papa um who i stole that how are you arriving from from <laughs> but that place nurtures me <clears throat> because i i don't turn up with answers i turn up with questions and i spend time exploring my own thinking while hearing about the thinking of others and that for me is enjoyable and that's why i think community and entrepreneurship thing that link we can combine that 
that would be a wonderful place to be because people aren't coming um, necessarily to tell people what to do or to sell their products or services or, or understand a particular problem. I think people turn up just to talk out loud what's going on for them. And through that process, you find your answers. Mm. And that feels really effortless as well. That doesn't feel like someone's trying to work at trying to solve your problem. That's a bunch of people holding space for an individual and they find the answer themselves. Or if they don't find their answer, they feel held in a space of uncertainty. That feels lovely. That feels happy, even if it is challenging. Um, and that also feels really useful. So, yeah, this journey is like, and this is the thing that's interesting. By doing it, I've understood what my niche was rather than defining my niche and then doing it. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of a dichotomy mm. here. But I think there's a journey of uh, at least the start wanting to ask the questions. I think maybe that's the starting point that I need to find people at where they're at the point where actually what I've done so far isn't really helping and I need to ask some questions, but I'm not sure how to ask them and who to ask them with. I I'm, I'm, I can feel how many millions of directions this can go in and I want to sort of um, selfishly, I'm going to start, I just want to steer it in the next, the next step of it is um, so our community that we're building um, have really, I think, enjoyed most the community space that you've just talked about and that sort of nourish, nourishing uh, opportunity to do some self-reflection. Um, and we talk about marketing um, as another fucking self-growth tool. That's another one of Carlos's clangers. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where rather than us standing on, as I say, standing on a soapbox and sort of vomiting your shit at everyone, it's the opportunity to have amazing conversations, but also ask questions of yourself um, in order to find a niche, for example, um, that is going to serve you. And we talk about uh, something in our community called the Limits Compass, which is to say that we invite our members to think about their limits, their boundaries, um, the, their values, and then the value that they serve to others, all of which can help you to... Um, sort of work out who are the people that you should have around you that are going to energize and nourish you which is what I think you were talking touching on earlier Carlos and it's that thing of when you start having those conversations in thinking about how you might niche um, actually what you're doing is working out you know who you want to surround yourself with to energize you so albeit unconsciously it sounds like what you and Lawrence have done is to think about um, not only that sort of bit of uh, the conversation that people are going to get really excited by, all those questions that you talk about articulating uh, that are going to get people to buy into, as Chris has said in the chat, the kind of happiness as a brand thing mm. um, and then join you. Um, it's also probably uh, cemented the kind of people that you want to surround yourselves with. Um, and I'm, if we can turn to the sort of marketing, as it were, of the Happy Startup School, I wonder if you can tell us uh, sort of what it's been like um, to, as you've refined what your own sense of happiness is as a business owner, how it, what it's been like to go out and find those people um, that you want to surround yourself with and how you've used happiness um, to make sure that you're saying, no, thank you, you're not for us, to the people that are not for you. Mm. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll have to start with a disclaimer. I am shit at marketing. I really, and uh, this is why it's good to have Simon Francis here. 
um, in terms of like, the, you know, when I think of marketing, maybe this is my definition of marketing, just to be clear, is, you know, constantly turning up, having kind of a process, finding a path where people are coming through. Right, think of funnels and you know strategies and defining defining stuff, planning stuff and executing on stuff. Um, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm, I, would, I haven't been particularly diligent about that. And I think we, I could do a lot better. So when you talk about um, going out and finding people, I think initially, actually, generally, we don't go out and find people, if that makes sense. Um, we put stuff out there, but we're not particularly targeted around that. And I think this is something where the pragmatism of business and the systems that we live in versus the how we want to be uh, in terms of the creativity aspect of it can be a, there can be a bit of a clash. Um, for instance, I could do this stuff all day long. The trouble is, if I don't tell people that it's happening, mm-hmm. if I don't show people a pathway to getting here that's easy, then it's just basically you know, talking to the wind. So there, there is a, a strategic aspect to this that I, I really appreciate, but I haven't done well. Um, in the early stages of a happy startup school, Lawrence was, I think, spearheading most of the. Actually, did spearhead most of the marketing around this because he would do. He did a lot of writing, so we had a transition when we were running the digital agency and then the happy startup school was kind of just growing as a thing he spent you know he, he was quite he was driven to actually explore this idea and particularly around happiness and business mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of writing we came up with the happy startup canvas we did the course we had the summer camp so there was stuff we were putting out of the world not as a marketing strategy but more it was like this is stuff we like doing this is like Lawrence wanted really wanted to do in-person events so this is something that he it was a it was a, a need for him to make happen. And so it was a hard part. It still took a lot of effort to sell tickets, and it still does take effort to sell tickets to summer camp. And it's getting easier because we, we, we've been around long enough that people discover us and then kind of vibe with, mm-hmm. with what we're talking about. But <clears throat> it still takes some effort to, to um, for people who, who, who are kind of new to us. It's like... Still, some effort to convert and get them to to understand the value. For instance, of summer camp, of spending a grand to sit in a field for three days. What's that about? Mm-hmm. Um, so, where am I going with this? I'm going with this in terms of like, in terms of when I think of marketing now, and I, I I'm, I'm quite, I was quite taken by a conversation we had with Tad Hargrave yesterday in terms of you know, Friday, Friday fireside. Where I feel comfortable is just talking about my perspective on how things work how i believe not from the position of this is the truth but this is the position of my truth and how it works for me and and honing more and more into that and being more and more clear about what that means a primarily a because it makes me feel better about where i'm at because like oh that's why i'm doing what i'm doing but then b is like and anyone who resonates with that message then no actually Carlos would be a good person to work with because he kind of understands the journey that I'm on or the changes I'm trying to make in my work and business. And that feels effortless. And then on top of that, it's like, then how do I get that message out to more people? And, and maybe who do I lean on to help me do that? And and being on conversations like this is is another way of doing it without having to like, you know, oh, I've got to try and 
build my newsletter list and get loads of people to know and then get the buggers to actually come live and listen and stay and, and then and not make the arrangements step. with each other in the chat but actually listen to what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing this is the lovely thing no, like we've got, fine, we've got people here in our community who, who can have you know they know each other they can have mm -hmm. conversations in public yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and what that does is uh, I think for anyone else, you know, listening or eavesdropping on that conversation, I hope gives them a window of the kinds of mm. connection that happens. And so, but it's the it secondary, it's the secondary sort of meta subliminal effect of what we're talking about. And you know, the effect is that Kendra and Mark have got a date in the diary to chat about podcasts or whatever. Great. You know, when we're doing marketing, if we stand and shout at people or we don't think about those secondary, you just came up with a lovely phrase which I'm definitely going to use which is who can we lean on um, and you know Tad on Friday might have called it something Alan Wick another friend of ours refers to channels you know and I talk about cheerleading and connecting and all the rest of it and it's kind of that thing of let's not just look at the initial um, what's going to happen if in marketing but let's trust that sort of karmic what might happen in a way that we haven't even thought about. And that's mm. gonna be the really nourishing quality of us showing up, putting ourselves out there and offering the generous act of being honest and talking with people that we love and trust on the basis that some cool stuff might happen. You know, and there's something around, you, you know, you talk about, oh, I'm shit at marketing. And then lots of other people say, oh, I don't do any marketing. I just, I just have, you know, I get it all through word of mouth. And we have to say, well, that's the most amazing mm. <clears throat> bit of marketing you know when you've got your so when you've said we've been around for so long people just know who we are well no of course there's a lot of really mm. impressive marketing going on behind that whether it's conscious mm. or not whether it involves lots of people cheerleading you whether you've done the sort of geeky stuff around e-newsletters or whatever else you've mentioned you know or is it just how is it how is this all coming out in the wash what's that marketing sort of energy looking like that means so many people love you like some stuff's mm. happening yeah, I think no, it's a good point. Uh, and I think uh, when I when I think about marketing, going back to that whole thing is, is that very intentional strategic approach. Um, and I feel that's part of um, part of maybe the challenge for me around this is, okay, in a year's time, we're going to have doubled our following, mm. or we are going to grow by 10% every month. Oh, you know, this kind of like quite intentional approach which i think is really i think is useful but is no never guaranteed you, know, you never know yeah. when it's going to happen i think you're when you talked about trust i think that's the one of the when i think of this happiness pit around this entrepreneurial journey whether it's niching or anything other to do anything else to do with it is that element of trust um and it isn't trusting that everything will be okay is just more trust or everything will turn out right i.e you know the plan will come or you'll get the business so i think trusting that you will be okay and 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 it could go all tits up and things just crash around your ears but you'll be okay because i then i think when you have that then you're less scared about trying new things or you know your your mental processes are freed up from worrying about what shit might happen and that can be refocused on oh let's enjoy this 
let's mm. be a bit more creative with this let's be really present with the person in front of me because i'm not worrying about oh my god when's the next sale going to happen so mm. or you know this oh wow i've just written this amazing piece because i'm not thinking about how many likes it's going to get on the next linkedin post i do yeah so so yeah i think there's this thing about trust um yeah, just putting stuff out there, uh, and you know, with the, with the marketing side, yeah, maybe it is like I'm, I am marketing. I just don't realize it's marketing because mm. I framed marketing. I put marketing in a box, which I think is uh, horrible and ugly. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say that that from what you you know you you said I'm shit at marketing, and then proceeded to describe some really good marketing that you're doing. So it's like. <laughs> the marketing you're doing is I would say some of the most effective marketing you can do and that is to focus your marketing on simply building trust because if you and this is what we sort of work through when we go through our chapters of our process is trying to get you know to shift that mindset in coaches from marketing being I need 10 more people on my mailing list to being how can I have more conversations with the people I want to talk to? And often, as I say quite a lot, the outcome of your marketing in, in whatever form it takes, be that 50 YouTube videos, 100 podcast episodes, whatever it might be, is simply to get someone to say, do you know what? I read your blog on this and it just changed the way I thought about it. And I thought I have to speak to you about this. And if you get one or two of those conversations a week or a month, whatever you need for your sort of client needs, then your marketing's working. And conversely to that, you have mega brands like Hootsuite, Sprout Social, Facebook, Google, who tell you the opposite. It's numbers, it's stats, it's percentage gain, and they're feeding the vanity metrics when your marketing isn't selling, you know, yoga mats and water bottles, when you're trying to engage someone in conversation, when you're trying to say to them, hey, people like us do things like this, as a good Seth Godin quote. So that's, hey, people like us are all about happiness. And this is what we think happiness means. Then if you can build trust that actually embracing happiness is going to empower you to build the business you want, you're not selling happiness in the sense that you're not selling it but you're using it to kind of attract and build that relationship. And I think that's an interesting shift in in mindset shift of marketing there, of taking it from that stats and numbers, utterly, you know, let, let's call it what it is, bullshit, and actually just calling it what it is. And it's like, let's just have more great conversations. And let's not necessarily know where those conversations are going, because mm. are going to go. So if we have a, a portfolio of thing of directions, so one of them might be, that person could be a, uh, a good funnel to clients. That person could be a guest on my podcast. That person could be a mentor because they are an expert in this field. That person could offer me some useful feedback that's going mm -hmm. to iterate my product. The product could be an e-newsletter. The e-newsletter is going to become more purposeful because of something that that person said, and then that's going to reach more people. If we're not, if we're not invested in an idea of where the conversation is going to go, then the person on the other end of it is not going to feel Mm -hmm. that horrible sense of sales conversations where um you know Carlos is trying to sell them a ticket for summer camp they just know that the conversation is two human beings who resonate with the idea of 
as I've said, putting happiness at the perp at the core of what this conversation is all about, having a nice cup of tea and really fun stuff could come out of it. It might be that they're a guest. It might be that they're just a, not just a member of the community, but like if Carlos doesn't know where it's going to go, chances are it's going to go in the right direction as opposed to one that Carlos has tried to force it into with like an idea of who that person and how they fit into the Happy Startup School portfolio of products should fit into it, if you see what I mean. I don't know if that mm. resonates with you, Carlos, because you must be having lovely conversations all the time with people. Well, what springs to mind, actually, is if I'm working for conversions or conversations, is like, mm. which is it that I'm trying to aim for, the sale or just being to sit with someone and just understand where we overlap? And um, for instance, I could think of something like summer camp as, okay, we need to get another 50 tickets sold. That means that maybe if we have a conversion rate of 100 to 1, we need to reach 5,000 people. And so, all right, how many people got the newsletter? Maybe we need to build that up. So how do we get people on the Twitter to news? Yeah, I could do that. Or I could say, we're having a party. This is what's going to be at the party. This is what we're going to do. Uh, these are the kind of people we're going to have around there. This is what the party looks like. If you want to come to a party, this is where the party is. Mm. Uh, and it and it's more of an kind of an invitation rather than a right. How can we convert? And I think this all comes down to I believe what's driving that work. So I can imagine with companies like Hootsuite and Buffer and whatever other kind of social media startup um, is run. You know, you're talking about they've got investors. They have people who have trusted these founders with their money in order to get more money back. And so it's not a bad thing, maybe not a good thing, but at the same time, their metric is governed by paying customers. So if I pay yeah. X amount to get this much back, then if I get more than I pay, more back than I pay, then that's good for them. And the bigger that gap, the bigger, the better. However, if you like, I want to have a party, I don't want to have a bunch of assholes just paying loads of money to turn up. I actually want to enjoy the party. So I'm going to make sure that everyone knows how it's going to be, how we're going to, you know, what, what the vibe's like, why I'm there, what I want to get out of it. Uh, and, and to a certain degrees, like, if you don't like this, a bit like Simon just said, just don't come mm. because you're not going to enjoy it. And probably I'm not going to enjoy it. And that's been a learning for myself. I've been very much of like, you know, uh, it's like if they're going to pay, they should be allowed to come. Um, and if they're going to pay big bucks, even more reason to let them come. But actually, is that uh, how does that help if you then have someone who, yes, they're paying you loads of money, but just drain the crap out and you really don't enjoy what you know the, the work? Mm -hmm. And then, then what does that mean in terms of the product and the word of mouth afterwards in terms of your energy isn't there when you're running it or making it happen? And then the other people who are there aren't really enjoying it. And then you don't get the testimonials or you can't talk about the experience because you invited the wrong people to the party. And there's an aspect of here of like, okay, you guys, you're not allowed. Yes, it might, you might be excluding people, but it isn't like you're stopping people. You're just saying, this is what it's about. If you're bought into this, come. If you're not, then reconsider. And being clear about you know, who you want in and who you want out. I just mm. want to talk, there are two great questions in the chat which um, I can address 
briefly by just saying that what we do in our Better Boulder Braver community is try to do two simple things. Like one is we do let's geek out on the tips and tricks. Um, and let's answer questions like Mark's, which are, okay, Carlos, what does that actually look like to you? Do you send out personal invitations first? And Mark is sharing that what he's doing today is sending out about 40 messages to individuals. And then the other thing is what Kendra has commented on, which is sort of how it's all making her feel. And that's the other thing that we do in the community. So we do the tips and tricks, how to, what is a good, like, platform or tech to use for this and then the other bit is how is this all making you actually feel because you know how people feel about um writing an individual message or you know trying to share something that they've worked really hard on and and sort of essentially invite feedback whether they overtly do or not um or you know put something on social media if they're not very comfortable with it um do they need social media to do marketing so all those all those sort of emotional things that come up and the irony for us is that our community is full of coaches who are extremely emotionally intelligent people who do a lot of work for other people in terms of holding space to process some of the emotional mm -hmm. feelings that that accompany them through their journey of life and yet when they're trying to show up and do marketing themselves they shoot themselves in the foot with imposter syndrome, confidence problems, anger around having to do something, should be doing something. I mean, let's just take some time to focus on the two things that are going on there. One is the sort of technicalities. How do you make decisions, Carlos, on, you know, sort of where to put your energies uh, in terms of growing this thing that you've given birth to you two? And then how much time and space do you spend reflecting on how it's all making you feel to be doing all that stuff. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'll answer the second question um, first. <clears throat> Not enough. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a compulsive doer and I, I definitely don't spend enough time just reflecting on how something went and how it made me feel. I'm getting better. Um, so creating space for that is... is is important, I believe, um, because that's, I think that's part of the cultivation of wisdom. If we just do stuff again and again without reflecting on how it worked, then it's hard for us to embody that knowledge that we gained from that experience. Because part of this as well is not thinking, the way I look at it now, isn't about thinking about, all right, what is the different tactic that I can use next time? Because that is also not part of the effortless thing i've realized actually it's then being able to to just instinctively say yes or no not from a place and this is the interesting and this is why i think this whole happiness entrepreneurship as a journey of self-discovery for me is really interesting is that we can instinctively react from a, a place of fear or or pain or past conditioning or we can instinctively make a decision based on the real truth. This is, I know exactly this is not what I want. And it isn't because I'm chickening out or you remind me of my mum. It's because this is not good for the way I want to work. And this is not good for the way I want to be. Uh, and that, I think, the understanding that is also part of the conversation piece. Is like when I talk to someone. So, in, you know, in response to Mark, is like, okay, how do I, you know, how do I attract the right people, engage with the right people. I don't have the answer specifically for everyone, but the thing that we've done, 
And again, whether it works or not, it's kind of working. It's, it's, it takes effort. So you have conversations with just about, depending, again, it all depends on how you want, how people are engaging with you. And this can link to, again, thinking about business models and revenue and how much money you need to make. But the rule of thumb for me is the higher the value, the more time I'm going to have to spend talking to you first. Because that ultimately is going to be um, me more invested in this work. And so if I'm going to invest my time and energy and you're going to invest your time and energy and money, we're going to make sure that this works or else it's and, and that means having a conversation and not just linking on, oh, I've got a solution to your problem, but also the value I create or the value you're looking for also resonates with the values I have. So there's a real kind of sense that you're making sure that that's in the right place. We don't do it 100% correctly every time, but we do spend a lot of time, and you guys will know, through the 2020 Vision Program, we talk to every single, Lawrence talks to most people, and I talk to some of the people who come onto the program to get a real feel. The challenge where that really becomes a difficulty, and this is where the whole metrics thing, I think, comes into play here, is when you are desperate for money. If you are living hand to mouth, if you are, there is a kind of an existential fear that's coming in, then these conversations are going to be really hard to have unless you're like Buddha. You know, you can really say, I am going to be good either way. Because you need to approach these conversations with a really open mind to then be able to accept what this person has asked you. They might be asking you, you know, really probing you. And then you get, oh, why are you trying to question the work I do? It's like maybe they're just really scared about mm. the investment they're going to make. So, again, there's that. There's that piece of self-knowledge, I think, that I, you know, this is for me the journey that I've been on. So I've been realizing more and more it isn't about me. It's like, or if something comes up and I think some shit's something, it might not be them, it might be me. So that's that awareness. And so understanding where that comes from and not having to think about where that comes from all the time. Again, that whole accumulated wisdom through reflecting. What happened there? Okay. That's important. And then through that, I think it's then understanding, okay, what, who do I need to have conversations with based on how do I want to spend my time and what does that mean for me existentially? Uh, you know, essentially, either can I put food on the table, can I pay the rent on the mortgage? Because if those things are in threat, it's going to be harder to be picky about stuff or even like respond to challenging questions about stuff if you're in that state of fear. So... Yeah, I, I, there's no simple answer to this, but ultimately, converse, open, connecting conversations where you feel free to speak about, and this is what I got from Ted Hargrove, to speak your truth, for your customer to speak their truth, and for you to both come to the truth of whether you should be working together. Lovely. What about some of the technical bits and bobs? So it's the uh you know how much time do you spend doing the calculation that you thought up before or is it you know which is the right tech or you know and and then mark's qualified that actually what he's talking about i think he said earlier is is the conversations as opposed to the tech um i don't know if that means you know we, before you go into having decided you're going to write 40 personal messages let's say uh to people about some camp or the program i know that's more lawrence's thing to manage but you know whatever it is that you've decided is going to be your well let's talk about collaboration here as well actually because you know simon and i have got each other and you and lawrence have got each other and you know how's that helped you with 
divvying up the tech stuff, but also with the energy stuff in terms of the putting yourselves out there. Can you talk to that maybe a little bit? Mm. Okay. Uh, so there's a couple of things there. There's like, how do you manage the multiple conversations and what does it mean in terms of your time and how what the process is and maybe there's a tech around that and then there's the aspect of i think working with someone else and the the, the benefits and the challenges um i think uh to put it simply the more people you have in a team and you're working with the slower you will go because you're going to have to try unless you know you're a well-oiled machine where you work together but we're human beings we're not well oiled machines we change and so there's always a communication piece you're never going to go as fast as you want to go when you're on your own so that whole if you want to go mm -hmm. fast go on your own if you want to go far go with other people in terms of the going far bit when you're working with other people is that because you don't you're not doing everything you're not spending your time and energy on everything and potentially you're not spending your time on energy on stuff that you really find draining so you know with Lawrence Lawrence is very much he loves to write he's got a very good visual eye he enjoys crafting things whether that's a brochure or a website um, or some kind of like uh, you know uh, video or you know something you know he had or creating an event you know the, he likes that crafting bit uh, I love the talking bit. I love the presenting bit. I love the interviewing bit. I love the um, cr um, thinking about a journey in terms of a learning journey and the process and so like the curriculum stuff. Some maybe can talk, you might be like some of the the detail around the the process stuff. And so and, and you know Lawrence isn't as keen on that stuff, and so that's where we overlap. We both hate accounts, so we need to find someone who loves doing that. But um. It means that we're not spending our time on stuff that, that would then drain us and we wouldn't be able to do stuff that we like doing. Um, it takes coordination. It takes always checking in. We're not the best at doing that. We also, you know, the reflection piece isn't as easy because there's personal reflection. I know what things went, but we also group reflection and, and that's important. So, you know, even myself and Lawrence are going to be away in a couple of weeks just spending some time together, just catching up. No. So, um, I think on that collaboration piece, I think you're talking about. I think it's really great. It's amazing to find. Uh, is it's the best thing you can do to find someone you can collaborate with and co-found with. It could also be the worst thing you could do if you do it for the wrong reasons. Uh, and and I think being really open. And Lawrence and I were lucky. We stumbled into it and we were okay because we were friends and we, we already had a similar set of values and and aspirations. And and to be honest, actually, we also evolved together, I think. Mm. We've changed over time together. I definitely have. So to be able to do that with a co you know, initial stages like getting to know why are you in this? And not that this is it forever, but to be able to openly say, I think I'm in it for this. And it isn't just about the money. And this is what I'm scared of. And these are the things that are going to challenge me. And actually, I hate the way you do that with your nose. And, you know, to be honest about that, the thing, those things, I think that's really valuable. Mm. Uh, and it's hard. But I think if you can get that, then I think you've got much, you're better prepared for evolving into the future of your business and your ideas and stuff like that. Yeah, actually, I mean, I was shaking my head a little bit when you said that you thought it's, you, you go faster 
when you're on your own. I mean, I can certainly say for myself, I don't know about Simon, but there's no way I would be doing this right now if it wasn't if I was doing it with Simon. Um, and that's because we our skills dovetail so nicely. There's three things. So one, our dove our, sk our skills dovetail perfectly. That was very lucky that we found each other. Number two, we have the Happy Startup School, and we are on the program that allows us to. It gives us license to look at each other in the eye and go here are my values here's mm. my limits i don't like it when you do that i love it when you do that so that's the second thing um and the third thing is because i'm like you carlos i need to talk out some of the stuff that's going on in my head to work out what it is that i'm fucking saying so without simon i may not have that clarity about what i think about things and i can't speak for them but I would say actually that I seem to be doing it better and faster than if I was not doing it with Simon. Um, but I think one can do all that stuff on one's own if one is conscious of those needs, the need to mm. to think through stuff consciously so that you can build the product and iterate it based on your own needs, values, limits, beliefs, and the value you serve to others. Um, and you know if you can provide a space without being in a community or paying for a course to sort of yeah do the work um and i don't know what the first one was but i feel like <laughs> if you're on your own you can do it right it's not it's not yeah. you have to do it with someone else i think you can no you're right you can do it on your own it doesn't preclude you from doing it but one thing i would say and for what when you were talking what sprang to mind was running the marathon and I was thinking, imagine running the marathon with like a really gammy ankle, yeah, on mm. your own, 26 miles. Fucking hell. But to have, do that with like 50, 100 people cheering you along the way. Um, and when I say mm. gammy ankle, I'm going to say accounts or marketing or marketing. product development. No, well, but, but that's marketing the whole point of your community. Marketing of the pit stops, giving you the water going, come on, come on. What? But the, my point being is like when you have a community around you, you so for instance, I'm coming to you. So I really don't like marketing. I'm really, that's mm. my gammy ankle. You know, I need to run 26 miles. But I'm going to be around people who are going to cheer me on, mm. even though I'm really not working well with this. And I will continue. And I'm, I don't have a co-founder, but I have a bunch of people who are going to keep me going, keep on yeah. going, keep on going, keep on going. And that for me is where, uh, and this is where I'm going to maybe be a bit more. Um, contrarian about this is like on your own you can go fast if you are very very clear about what you want mm. if you are that type of person if you are supremely driven i think uh kendra calls them a conceptual entrepreneur you have mm. a plan you have know what it is you're going to make it happen yeah however if you're not what does that mean and where do you go and how do you do this stuff and i think this is what we're doing we're offering people a place if you feel like Actually, I really would appreciate working with other people, but I don't want to work for anyone else. Mm -hmm. Where do I go? And that, for me, is the power of community. Like You have people there, right? We're going to have your back. You're not going to have to pay us, and we're not paying you. We're just going to be there around you to support you, and, and this community is going to provide value in that way. So um, if you want to be a company of one, but you don't want to be alone, then you need to find a community. That's right. Yeah. And, and have, a, have a, a practice of checking yourself and and what i like about marketing because i'm on a mission for it not to be in the same camp as accounts with all the greatest of respect to my accounting friends because i've got lots of them 
Um, no, that's really mean. I actually do have some candy friends. Um, but, you know, marketing is that mirror. Or, you know, I'm thinking what you're saying is making me think that at the end of the marathon, you can sit down and go, why did that work well? Which bits of it could I have done a bit differently? Which bits made me feel good? Uh, you know, did I have the awareness to kind of look around and see who was cheering me? What bit of it were they cheering me at? And was it because it was really sunny over there or there was a nice hill for them to sit on and have a picnic? And, you know, who's kind of giving me the space to work out why it worked out that way? Um, and sort of if I was going to do the marathon next year, how might I do it similarly? How could I talk about the last experience to myself and to other people that would make more people want to come and watch me do the marathon? How could I fundraise better for it? Because I'm, I've done the run for that charity before, or indeed I've done it for a charity and now I'm doing it for a different one. Like how do all the bits lace together? That's marketing. Like it mm. becomes the story. It's the joy of the experience and how you can capitalize on it and, 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 and be generous in how you're processing it. Uh, so more people can benefit. That's mm. why marketing is the cool bit of that. So what springs to mind, actually, you know, I, I totally agree with you. I think being able to, you know, there's a there's a real need I hear for you to, to and this is my words, not yours, the way it comes across, for people to love that marketing bit, you know, to love, okay, this is something I can do. I would also, when you were talking, what springs to mind is beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And pain is also a perception. Your pain is someone else's wonderful experience mm. and vice versa. And so there may be some people for a long time, marketing will be a massive pain in the ankle because there's a longer term underlying shift. They know they need to do it. They know they should do it, but this is going to take them a good five or ten marathons before they're actually going to like run and say, I love this stuff. Mm. And this is where I think, you know, I, I, I love the idea of like there's this real desire for people to really embrace it. But I think the beauty of having your community is also for those people who can't embrace it, they still have a place to go to lean on people and get the cheering crowd. Because, you know, some people, you know, there's things I think that it's going to take a lifetime to get over <laughs> and, and really enjoy. Mm. And so how can we, how can we not try to fix those, but accept actually they might not be as, I might not enjoy them as much as I need to, but I can cope. I can get by because I have got some help. Mm. And I think that they don't, they should, they maybe, sh I mean, Anya's saying the problem is that many people feel that marketing is stopping them from what they actually want to do. And my, my return to that is actually marketing is helping them start what they do want to do uh, or stop them from doing something that they think they want to do. There's something about how it can coexist with the conversation of what am I supposed to be doing and help that conversation. I definitely don't want everyone to love marketing, but I would love to have people be more warm to how it can serve other conversations about purpose. Sorry, mm. Simon, go on. Well, no, I was just going to say, to me, it, it is exactly that. It's just reframing it. And it is like standing at the front and saying, hey, do you want to take part in a marketing marathon? Most people are going to be like, absolutely not. No, thank you. 
and that's absolutely fine. But some people will go away and they'll do couch to 5K, then they'll do a 5K, they'll do a 10K, they'll do a half marathon, they're going to come back and they're like, I am so ready for this. And in they pop. And we can't, you can't force people to do a marathon. It's not easy. And what we're saying with the community is like, if you want to hang around here and gather with us and get, you know, ready and psyched up and make that mindset shift, then when you're ready to go on that journey, then here is the map. This is how you go. This is the start. Here's the end. And we're going to support you. We're going to be that crowd all along cheering you. And I think it's just that mindset shift. And if you're a coach, it's the same. You can't walk into a room of 100 people and just go, I do coaching. If anybody needs coaching, please come and see. Because it's just people, they're not ready for coaching. Whereas if you go in and start to talk to them about, you know, their experiences, you make them feel seen, heard and understood. You know, you, you, you do all the things that we talk about with marketing. It doesn't feel like marketing. It just feels like a really nice way to have lots of conversations of which some will turn into customers. Some may turn into your biggest fans and some may clearly work out that you're not quite the right fit, but at least you had a nice chat. Hmm. It's making me think also of a member of our community who's doing wonderful things because they uh, have been through some traumatic experiences that they're now processing because they're having to think about story so we have a six stage process. Um, the first step is to kind of get into a mindset that, that sort of allows you to not burn out trying to do marketing when you hate it um, through thinking about your own uh, values. And the second stage is, is how could you possibly use what's happened to you to try to help people see that you are somebody that they may like to follow, but also how are you going to talk about your own story in a way that's nourishing and has some clear boundaries that keep you safe so that you're not becoming too vulnerable when you're thinking about trying to be authentic on social media? And for this particular member that's springing to mind, they're sort of immersed in that stage. I won't, I won't go on to say the other four because you can look them up on our website um, or anywhere around our social media. Um, but, uh, you know, the point of mentioning it is that, that I think they're doing quite... I'm working with them on a one-to-one -one basis and a lot of the space that I'm holding for them is around processing what's happened to them. But I'm not sure if... And they're getting very clear on their niche because they're working out how they are extremely well qualified to serve a particular kind of person. They're not quite ready to go there yet because they're processing some stuff. So all of that is coming out in the wash because mm. we're talking about marketing, but you know, mm. lots of other stuff is happening and that's what I'm talking about. That for me is, you know, that sounds like what that person doing is building a very solid foundation from which to launch their story because they've, they've processed it. They've come to terms with it. They understand it. They know their, what, what they've got out of it. And then from there, they can use it in the way that best helps others. And that, I think, to jump straight in and say, oh, I've got this really traumatic story I want to share with everyone. But any time I talk about it, I break down crying. It's like, not always helpful. Um, I liked what Simon said. I decided, well, what I heard there was using marketing to create mindset shifts. And the way that lands for me is like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I hear Simon and Francis talk about, oh, I can, oh, maybe I can, oh, I can do it. I just need to do it now. So there's this whole journey before we get to helping someone and giving them the tools to do it. It's like building the belief. And that 
you know, if marketing was about helping people build belief that they could do something, that feels quite a positive step. That's right. Anya's mentioned a couple of things in the chat. One was, I can't go to summer camp yet. Uh, yet, <laughs> Anya. Good, good um, use of the word yet, like that positive thinking. And uh, yeah, do you see how that just slipped out? Um, and then uh, the other one she's just mentioned is, you know, it's what elements of marketing actually play to my strengths. So it's, it's absolutely knowing what your strengths are so that you're only marketing something that's going to play to your strengths. And in the process, you'll be all the clearer about communicating why you are the person for somebody to listen to. Um, unless you've done that work, unless you've gone through what your strengths are and what your limits are, then you can't uh, talk about yourself in a safe way. You can't build products in a way that's actually going to serve someone. You can't sell it in a way that's mindful of what you actually need, like how many uh, super fans, how many people do you actually need in your life to sell a product to so that it works out for you from a money, dirty money point of view, from an energy point of view, from a time point of view. If you don't do all this work first, that you go all guns blazing into what everyone's telling you about what marketing looks like, good marketing looks like, you're only going to find yourself in knots and completely burnt out. So we're, we're, we're really passionate about this, actually, I would say, from a sort of ethical point of view as well. Um, ethical, psychological, practical. It's, it's almost the thing that we've found to be able to talk to people about how to build a nourishing business. Um, and it's just mm. the backdrop. But I feel like maybe there's a lot of work more that we need to do in shouting about how we want the mindset around marketing to change like that's almost really what underpins what we're trying to do uh which you're, you know this conversation is super helpful to me and in, in sort of making me realize is that we simon and i are busy doing this all the time and we you know if you're in your community if you're in our community and you come to my reflection and confidence sessions once a week then everybody in this chat who is there weekly religiously knows that this is what i'm all about but my job is to be clearer our elevator pitch needs to be about and we talk about the ethical marketing bit quite a lot but it's like we have to change the conversation in fact simon you published a blog post about this last week i did change, there's a podcast about it as well why don't you post it in the chat i will i can look yeah. that up now yeah um cool. anyway don't know what the time is but i was gonna oh, say wow. we're probably gonna have to we're gonna have to Sorry, bring it to a close sadly because we have we've got really into it which is oh, a great sign go. right this is this is carlos this is what happens i'm the biggest super fan of carlos uh because this is exactly what happens when i spend any time with you thank you i've thoroughly enjoyed it like, yeah i could go on but i also conscious of time and so yes yeah. Thank, thank you, you very and much thank you for, for all of you for sticking around <laughs> um, yeah, you can thank find you. out more about Carlos by looking at the happy startup school um, which uh, we will post in the chat uh, and Carlos would you like anyone to do anything else no I think um, I, if there's anything just sign up to our Friday firesides um, mm. I'll, if you, I'll grab a link to your channel. Yeah, if you if you stick a link there, um, I think that's for those of you who don't know much about us, then that will be a, a best place to start kind of a start a beautiful relationship. Or to think, oh my god, I don't want to touch these guys with a barge pole. So that will be ah. a safe way 
for you to experience uh, what the Happy Startup School is about and myself and Lawrence. Uh, and then, yeah, and then if that takes you on another journey, then all be it. But yeah, this is where the happy party is. Yeah, good stuff. Well, thank you very much, Carlos. It's wonderful and energizing as always to talk to you. So thank you very much for creating some space in your day uh, to share with us and also everybody who's listened. Um, we've got, I've just, we've flooded the chat with some links. There's the website, there's the Crowdcast, there's the blog I spoke about. Um, if you want to know more about what me and Francis are creating over at Better, Bolder, Braver, then there is the, the button down below, which you can click to find out more. If you're watching this on the replay, the button's still there. If you're joining us over on YouTube or on the podcast, then do head to the website, which will be a link to in the show notes. So, yeah, we look forward to seeing you next time for more great conversations so thank you very much everybody and we'll see you next time bye take care have a good monday we hope that conversation has got you thinking you can join our live weekly masterclass conversations for free find out about upcoming events and save your spot with the event link on our website if you're a coach who's feeling overwhelmed by marketing or you want a fresh perspective on marketing with courses, sessions, and resources designed just for coaches, then join our community of brave, visionary coaches and like-minded people on a similar journey. You'll be able to share ideas and reflect with each other about how marketing is making you feel, whilst feeling supported, inspired, and energised to keep going. Find out more and join us today on our website, betterbolderbraver.com. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time. And remember that together we're better, bolder and braver.